God is, God was, and God always will be with us. Amen. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, and uh, rightly so, because God gave us the greatest gift of all when he gave us Jesus, and he did physically come from heaven to earth and lived right here among us for 30, almost 33 years or so, right at 33 years, uh, before dying on the cross uh, in our place and uh, raising from the dead three days later, being raised from the dead and ascending on high. Uh, but he physically, he physically came. At the same time, he was fully God and he was eternal. Uh, Jesus has no beginning. He has no end. He's always been. He always will be. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is probably one of the oldest, if not the oldest, Christmas carol that we are still singing today. Uh, just eight uh, to maybe 1,200 years after Christ, it is it is a phenomenally uh, rich Christmas carol full of theology, full of church history, and full of the promise that you and I have uh, in Christ. Its message is all about how desperately Judah was in need of God's help in the midst of great adversity. The prophet Isaiah promised them help would come from God's presence. He would be called Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. The song first started as a series of chants that all started with the letter O, followed by the reading of a psalm. So you can imagine that the, the people would be chanting, oh, this about the Lord, and oh, that about the Lord, and oh, this. And after each one of these chants, the, the person on the stage, the prompter, would then read from the, the book of Psalms. And these became known as the O antiphones. One of the lines from the O chants inspired the writing of the Christmas carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 says this of Mary, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Oh, this is a huge deal. A huge deal. Greg Crochelle writes that this is where we would hear the dramatic music begin if this were uh, a movie. Dun, da, 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 da. And God with us. <laughs> we've heard it so many times. We've either read it or we've heard it read every Christmas. We've heard the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, sung over and over again, that maybe we've become a little deaf to the power of that message of, e of Almighty God, the creator of the universe, coming to earth and dwelling among us. There's no movie, no suspense movie that could possibly match the climactic moment in all of history as Jesus coming to the earth. God dwelled among us, not just in spirit, but physically he chose to be here and to be with us. It is a huge deal. And what Matthew was doing was to announce the fulfillment of the prophecy spoken by Isaiah, where, where Isaiah, 740 years before, says this, Therefore, Isaiah 7.14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 
740 years prior to the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah told that Jesus was coming. Jesus is throughout the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. It's all about Jesus. I mean, it really is all about Jesus. It's cliche. You've seen the, the buttons. You've maybe seen it on a bumper sticker. He is the reason for the season. <laughs> and he really is. Christmas is all about the presents. You maybe have never heard a preacher say that. <laughs> really, for the old and young alike, Christmas is all about the presents. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, <laughs> presents. It's all about the presence of God among us. It's all about Jesus coming to the earth. There are three things uh, about his presence that I think we should remember today that will bring us comfort, joy. Uh, it will magnify everything that we experience in life and how those things that we experience relate to Jesus. Number one, God is present with you now. <laughs> Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Yeah, he was only here physically for 33 years, but because he came and because of our relationship that we can have with his son Jesus, because of that, God is with you now. You ever had someone show up in a very special occasion in your life, your wedding, a funeral, maybe before you had surgery? Maybe it was a special birthday celebration or an anniversary open house. Someone who made great effort to be there. You're glad to see all of your guests. Every person who comes through that line. Every person who gives you a card or a gift. Everyone who shows up. Everyone who is present matters. But there's oftentimes that special someone that you didn't expect to see, either because of their age or maybe something they were going through at that stage of their life or, or maybe distance. They were an airplane ride away and you never dreamed they would would be there and then all of a sudden you look up and there they are and your heart is just overwhelmed with great joy. I can still name off the names of every man who traveled from Avon, Indiana to Henryville, Indiana, two hours south with, with vans to load up everything that we owned and move us to Indianapolis in May of 2000. Isn't that amazing? I'll never forget um, a family from our new congregation was on their way south, pulling a, a motor home behind them on their way to vacation with two young children, a middle schooler and a, an elementary school student. And they pulled off, pulling with that truck, a great big motor home. They pulled off there in Louisville, Kentucky at Norton's uh, Children's Hospital on April the 5th of 2000. Because the day prior, we had just given birth to our first, my wife had just given birth to our first child. And I can still see them sitting, standing there in the hospital uh, room. And I was just like, you came all this way? And they were like, well, we're traveling through, we're on vacation. I'm like, yeah, you're on vacation. And you pulled off and you found a place to park that big truck and that motor home that you were pulling just to come in here and to encourage and to celebrate this special occasion in our lives. That meant so much to me. I can remember looking up in the funeral home when my nephew died unexpectedly, suddenly, seeing a couple of elders from our congregation drive two hours to Charlestown, Indiana. 
And, uh, and it just means so much. You can probably name off everyone who came to the hospital to visit you during your stay. Everyone who was there to celebrate with you at your wedding or your anniversary open house or perhaps your graduation ceremony. It means a lot, doesn't it? When people will do that. There's a plaque I read recently in a hospital room uh, on a wall that defines the ministry of their chaplaincy this way. Our ministry is primarily a ministry of presence. (laughs) A ministry of presence. Mary and Joseph needed to hear the angel Gabriel say to them that God was with them because of their task that they were about to go through. The task of an unexpected pregnancy at an odd time in their lives and in their stage of, of marriage. And then all of a sudden, you know, the responsibility of raising the Christ child was, was on them. And so, yeah, they needed an angelic being. And Gabriel was known throughout the Old and the New Testament. This is the, if you're going to have an angelic visitation, Gabriel is the one to see. And he arrives and he encourages them. Because their task was great. How are things for you today? What are you going through in your personal life that you need to hear good news that God is with you now? Maybe you're not really a believer and you need to understand the truth about God being with you in a way that will cause you to to entertain the reality of God. You need an eye-opener intellectually and spiritually to the reality of God and the presence of God can do that. Maybe you're a Christian but you're not feeling Him right now. (laughs) Uh, Are these carols ringing true for you? This year has been deep, the Christmas crunch, because we are about a whole week less between Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day uh, than normal. In fact, if Thanksgiving could not have been any later in November, it's still been Thanksgiving. It was the latest date it could possibly be. And that may not sound like much, but we went from five weeks to four weeks, and the Christmas crunch was on us. And a lot of people are saying, I'm just having a really hard time uh, accepting the fact that it's Christmas time. And here it is, the last Sunday before Christmas. Maybe for you, you're in a really difficult spot right now. Christmas is Somewhat of a magnifier. If you're happy, you're extra happy. And if you're sad, you're extra sad. And if you're lonely, you're extra lonely. If you're depressed, you're extra depressed. And and maybe it's hard for you to to feel God's presence. Maybe for you it's an empty chair this Christmas. Either because the death of someone that you loved very much, first Christmas without him or her. Or maybe it's because of the distance of a move where a family member has had to move too far away. To be present. But God's presence, as we unpack this, can be a great encourager to all of us. Jesus really is the reason for the season. Are you asking yourself, where is God? Well, God is present. Emmanuel, as we have said, as we have sung, means God with us. Syria and Israel were fiercely attacking Judah during the time when the prophet Isaiah wrote about the coming Messiah who would be God with them. And what they needed from God was a ministry of presence. It may not have been what they understood that he would be. It may not have been um, the kind of kingship they were expecting. It was far better. 
Far better than any earthly need that they might could possibly have had was the the need that Jesus came to fulfill. He came to set them free, yes, but not from the bondage of any other nation on this planet and not for their generation alone, but he came to set them free from the bondage of sin and hell. And that is the greatest possible presence that God could have given them. Luke chapter 1 verse 28 says, The angel went to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, <laughs> you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The all-powerful God of the Old and the New Testaments appears to this frightened teenage girl in the middle of the night to tell her that she has been chosen. Greetings! <laughs> what would you think if you were awakened in the middle of the night and there was Gabriel, the angel, in all of his brilliance, all of his brightness, all of his power, almost everyone in the Bible, when they came in contact with an angel, they were scared to death. And one of the first things that an angel has to do is say, fear not, <laughs> Right? Fear not, I bring you great tidings of great joy, which shall be for you and for everyone. Fear not. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Ever been chosen for something for which you didn't feel adequate? <laughs> Somebody picks you and, 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 and they, they say you've been chosen to, to do a certain task, to play a certain role, and you think, who, me? I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not musically gifted enough. I don't have enough coordination. I don't have enough power. I don't have enough authority. We spent a whole series talking about how God picks ordinary people to do extraordinary things, even broken people, even flawed, sinful people. And he calls them in the midst of their crisis sometimes, in the midst of their despair, in the midst of their, their mire and their muck. And he pulls them out of that because he sees the diamond in the rough and he gives them great opportunities. He says, greetings, you who are favored, highly favored by God. I guess so. No one else has ever been asked to do anything quite like give birth to the Christ child. No earthly person. What a great opportunity this was. And he says, the Lord is with you. <laughs> the all-powerful God of the Old and the New Testament appears to this frightened teenage girl in the middle of the night that she has been chosen. And then he says, the Lord is with you. Whenever God tells people in the Bible to be strong and courageous, he always gives them the reason why. He doesn't say, be strong and courageous, for I have trained you up for this. Be strong and courageous because you've got what it takes. Be strong and courageous because you are the, the best of the best. Wouldn't have picked you if you weren't. That's not what he says, does he? He said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. David said, before he slayed the giant Goliath, he said, you come at me with spear and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the God of Israel. <laughs> and he dropped that giant. You and God are a majority. You and God equals victory. Whether it's an illness that you're facing, whether it is a long-term health condition that's got you concerned, whether it's financial, whether it's work-related, year-end reviews, whether it's a child-rearing thing, if you're worried about your second semester of college or your second semester of your freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior year at high school, whether it's a new job that you're about to take, whether it's the uncertainty of the future has got you really feeling like you're shaking in your boots, I want you to know that the Lord your 
God is with you, and you should have courage. You should feel strong and courageous. It's not about what you have and what you've got to bring to the table. It's about your humble faith in the one who is able. God says, I am. I am that I am. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that... There's a Greek word called hina. It's my favorite Greek word. I'm probably the only preacher out there that hina is his favorite Greek word. I love hina because it means so that, and it's always giving purpose to what precedes it. So that. Here's the purpose in all of it. The purpose behind the suffering. We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Parakletos means para, meaning alongside. And kleto means called to. God comes alongside of you. He goes through the fire with you. You're not alone in the fire. There's a great Christian song out right now that says, there's another one in the fire, <laughs> and it's God. God is with you, and he leads you through it and calls you to greater things. Our God comes alongside of us, and he's called to minister to us in our times. He calls us to be ministered to in our times of trouble that we might minister to others in theirs. Pretty amazing. The second thing to, to note about the presence of God is that God has always been present with you. He's present with you right now, but maybe the encouragement that you need is to look in the rearview mirror and look behind at your past and see that God was with you back then. Because that you can't dispute. I don't know what your, your biggest fear, your biggest challenge was on maybe you know, the week going into Christmas five years ago or ten years ago. But if you could look back through a journal and find out what it was, I'll bet it was just, I mean, a heavy-duty weight bearing down on you. <laughs> oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, how's this going to turn out? Oh, how are we going to pay this bill? Oh, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Oh, if only this could be lifted, everything else in my life would, would be great. If this one problem, whatever it was, if you could go back and you could research five years, 10 years, 20 years ago, and find out what you were worried about right then, you will see how God brought you through it. Maybe not the way you would like to have been brought through it. Maybe he wasn't... Uh, he didn't give you the desire of your heart necessarily, but he gave you what you needed. He gave you what you needed in order to be used for him in his kingdom and in his glory. But ultimately, he saw you through it. And here you are today. And if you could talk to the you of five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, and you could say to the you of the you back then, hey, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all going to work out. I heard a preacher say one time, you know, what if, what if that item that you wanted so bad when you were a little kid, I mean, you stomped your feet, you had a temper tantrum, you cried because you wanted it so bad. Maybe you wanted a, a pony, and your parents had to explain to you why you can't have a pony in a subdivision. <laughs> Maybe you, you wanted a, a, a brand new car, and your parents helped you read through the Dave Ramsey plan, and you realized, hey, this isn't the right time for this. And you realized that if you had bought it then, 20 years ago, <laughs> 
it'd be sitting in a junkyard somewhere and you'd be that much financially more strapped. Hindsight's 2020. What is it? That you can look in your past and see how God was with you then. And here's the deal. Here's a, an a, equation for you. If God was with you then, God is with you now. And if it worked out then, it will work out now. The same God who was God then is God now. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he has always been with us. A great example, another Joseph. The Joseph of the Old Testament. We see how God was always with that young man. I'm not going to read the... I think I have Genesis 39, 20 through 23 on, this for us for on the screen. But suffice to say, Joseph was despised by his brother because of the dysfunctional favoritism his father showed him when he was young and that fancy coat of many colors that his father made him to flaunt his favoritism before the other brothers got Joseph thrown into a pit and was going to be left for dead but a better option came along for the the brothers they sold it into Egyptian slavery oh what a sad story but when Joseph gets there, the Lord his God is with him, and he is elevated to great opportunities within Potiphar's own house. None is more important than, Pot than, than Joseph, except for Potiphar himself, with so many freedoms he is just trusted with, and then he is lied about. A scandal, or so it seemed, landed him into jail. There he was in jail. Oh, what a sad story. But while he was there in jail, the Lord his God was with him, and the, the chief jailer showed him favoritism, and they all began to, to minister to him. And before long, he became uh, an interpreter of dreams, and it wasn't long uh, before he was released from, from jail, and he became uh, the second in command of all of Egypt, and his family, who would have starved to death in Egypt, finds food when they come seeking help from Egypt, and he recognizes them. And we say, ah... <laughs> The pit, the slavery, the imprisonment, the false accusation that preceded that. For such a time as this, the Lord his God was with him through all of it and brought him to a greater place and a place that would be a redemption for his entire family. When Matthew quotes Isaiah, and says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This would be so shocking for people of their time period because it was believed that God was, because he was so pure, because he was so holy, because he was so perfect, that he could not even be looked upon with human eyes. And he certainly could not have occupied a physical human body, but he did. And God, as Max Lucado writes, God came near <laughs> Not distant, not far away, not uninvolved, uh, not able to understand what we go through, but he came to experience it all. God has always been present. One final thought. God always will be present. God is with you now, God was with you then, and God will be with you in the future. Here's another cliche. You probably know what I'm going to say, right? You've heard it so many times. I don't know what the future holds, say it with me, but I know who holds the future. You know, when cliches get old enough, they're new again. <laughs> That'll preach. 
And it's true. I, don't, I can't tell you what tomorrow holds. Oh, I'm making plans. I'm making plans for retirement someday. I'm making plans for, you know, our daughter's going to go to college here in three and a half years. And, and our son, before long, he'll be, he'll be out on his own. We're, you know, we're, make, we're always making plans. But I know my plans are contingent on the Lord's will, always. There's that old saying, I, see you tomorrow. If the, Lord wills, if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise... My friend Rick pointed out to me one time, that the Lord's not willing, that creek ain't going to rise. <laughs> I don't think he said ain't. I threw that in there, Rick. So, <laughs> that's a little Southern Indiana twist on it there for you. God will always be present with you. In Revelation 1.8, Jesus referred to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. And that's the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He's the A and the Z, if you will. Nothing was before him, nothing is after him. Romans 8, 31 through 38 says this. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship <laughs> or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, Paul writes. We are, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I asked them to separate out verse 39 for us because I'd like for us all to read that together. Verse 39, Romans 8, 39 says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. What was it that made the shepherds run back into the fields rejoicing? What was it that caused the wise men, when they finally came along, to fall on their face and bow down in worship? These wise men, like the song says, we three kings, these kings that have come from so far away in all of their fancy clothes, with all of their, fancy, uh, their, their fancy gifts that they brought, what was it that caused them to bow down and worship this little child? It was this fact alone. God is not so distant and far off or uninvolved that God is not someone who is just watches over us, but that we have a God who is now with us. The creator, the sustainer of the universe is a relational God who stripped himself of his glory and became like us in the form of a baby who was all God and yet all man without sin. He dwelt on earth. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word of God became flesh. 
the word of God became flesh. In all appearance, one of us. If he fell, he skinned his knees. And if he skinned his knees, it stung. And if it stung, his mommy probably picked him up, Mary kissed him on the knee, and it felt all better again. He had friends desert him when he needed them most. He had people lie about him. Ever been lied about? Ever had a a false, vicious rumor spread about you? (laughs) Consider Jesus. Ever been tempted by Satan in a way that you think, my goodness, I think I'm so tempted. No one's been tempted like I am. I'm sure even God would understand. Jesus was tempted every way as we, yet without sin. In every way. He hungered. He thirsted. He was saddened at times. So when you go through those things, the God who is with you, the God who is present, the God who is near and close knows what it's like because he has been there. And he knows what you're going through. Verse 14 says that God dwelt among us. And all of a sudden, Matthew is going to say this. God is with you. God was with you. God will be with you. And dwelt among us. Your true identity... I mean, your truest of identity. If someone to ask you, who are you? If someone were to say to me, who is Sean? Or who is Jerry? Who is Danny? Who are you? Who you really are in the core of your being is who you are in Jesus Christ. That's who you really are. You're a child of God, a child of the King, raised up to follow God, and it is an amazing, an amazing thing that is given to us. That's our truest identity. In Matthew chapter 1, in Matthew chapter 1, the Christmas story starts off a little unique. I've told you before that I'm somewhat of a genealogy buff as, a, as just kind of a hobby. Shauna and I both enjoy that. One year, every member of our family got a hard binder uh, decorated by Shauna that had the family tree of each individual uh, on, on every side of our family all mapped out for them. I'm a geek about that kind of stuff. I, I love, love it. And Matthew starts off his story about Jesus with, of all things, what appears to be a rather boring genealogy. <laughs> it starts off in Matthew 1, 1. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And it goes on like that, generation after generation after generation. And this person was the father of so-and-so, and and he was the father of so-and-so, and and he was the father of so-and-so, and on and on and on for like 28 generations we get all of this. And then it comes down to verse 16, and it says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the New Testament Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, I don't know if you caught that or not. You go back later on and look at Matthew 1, 26. <laughs> All of these people were who they are because, you know, the, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. And you get down to Joseph and who he is, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus. And I love that. Because the importance of it is who Joseph was in regards to who the Christ child <laughs> was. Who are you? in regards to who the baby Jesus is. Joseph got mentioned by his relationship to Jesus. It's been said that he's the last figurine we set up in our nativity scenes and the first one we knock over. (laughs) No record exists of him in the life of Jesus or Mary after Jesus was 12 years old for whatever reason. But his significance, I mean, his eternal, real significance 
is who he was with regards to who Jesus is. The second stanza, certainly the easiest of the three for me to understand. O come thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from the depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. He came to free us from Satan's tyranny and from the depths of hell. This morning, if you were put on the spot, if you were standing outside the proverbial pearly gates and you were asked the question, who are you with regards to Jesus? Would you be able to say that you belong to him? Have you been born again into him? Are you a follower of him? Because that's what's going to matter on that day. Not the earthly things, how much money you had, how nice of a home you lived in, what kind of a car you drove, not the accolades of what your children have or have not achieved, not how many grandkids you have, not any of those earthly things, for sure, we know that, we get that, but also, what's not going to get you in the gate is that you were good enough or that you weren't too bad (laughs) or that you were better than the average. What's going to get you in there is, did you know Jesus as your Savior? Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you did come to this earth and that you did live among us and that you died for our sins and that you rose again to prove your deity and to conquer death in the grave, to set us free from the tyranny of hell and from the bondage of the grave. Oh, praise your name. God, we thank you for the promise that you're going to come again. And the next time you're not coming as a little baby born in a manger, you're going to come as Revelation describes on that white horse coming, splitting the eastern sky as it rolls up like a scroll. And Father, a thousand days are like a day to you. You've only been, your son's only been in heaven with you at your right hand for two and a half days, a little over two days. And Father God, we look forward to you coming quickly in your perspective of things to rapture the living, to quicken the dead, and to take us home to live with you there. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for being so present. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.